to Riverdale After Dark, a podcast about the CW's Riverdale that is frothing at the mouth, excited to be talking about the show again. Oh man, we're going crazy, just dripping, ripping, getting ready to break some jaws as we talk about Chapter 53 Jawbreaker. I'm Alex. What's that coming out of the darkness? Is that a boxing glove, the most horrifying thing you could ever imagine? Sweet science? Yeah, in hell. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And as mentioned, we're going to be talking about Chapter Thrifty Free. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. I was ready to say that. Uh, We're going to be talking about Jawbreaker, the latest episode of Riverdale. Very exciting. Been a long time off. A whole three weeks going into this episode. It feels longer. It feels longer, let me be honest. It does feel longer. It does. I haven't talked to you guys in like three weeks at this point, right? That's true. That's true. So much can change. Right. Other than the 10 Sabrina podcasts we recorded and the fact that we see each other almost every day. Other than that, we haven't seen each other or talked at all. Uh, 10 hours hours of conversation. Just 10 hours of conversation between us. Yeah. Nonstop. Nonstop. Uh, But I'm excited to talk about this. And this is the five episodes that are ending season three of Riverdale. Oh, man. So uh, this is... Clearly, based on this episode, ramping up in a crazy way, <laughs> we actually had uh, McCall Osto, who writes the Riverdale comics and the Riverdale novels, on our live show a couple of weeks back. And we were joking about, oh, what could possibly happen that could be crazier than the bear? And she said, you're going to be embarrassed when you ask that question. And I think <laughs> we get a little bit of a sense of that this episode. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. They're so straight I'm up exci- zombies. It's like zombie. We're entering a, a new phase. Absolutely. Uh, the end game, if you will, the Avengers end game of Riverdale. Ooh, so yeah. let's give you guys the recap of what has happened so far, because a lot has gone down. There are two yeah. threats facing the town of Riverdale. The first one is a being or a person or something like that called the Gargoyle King, who is a stick monster wandering around the woods. There's been a couple of Gargoyle Kings, but the original Gargoyle King is tied or created in some way an evil role-playing game called Griffins and Gargoyles that is also tied to the production of Fizzle Rocks, which is basically drug-laced pop rocks that have completely addicted the town of Riverdale. Uh, So that's been going on for a while. The big move that the Gargoyle King made the last episode was killing off Baby Teeth, an ex-con friend of Archie's, took out his teeth, left him for dead in the woods with Gargoyle King symbols carved in his back, throwing back to the very first episode of the season. We've known that there's a uber Gargoyle King out there. Jughead and Betty have been investigating him very heavily, but we haven't got a lot of hints. He's been stepped into the background, but he seems to be back. I think he's going to be back for the end. Yeah, I think he's going to guest. He's going to guest star. Yeah, like he'll get a guest star credit and everything. Featuring? Featuring the Gargoyle King, and then he's sort of smiling with his stick arm into his meat face. Yeah, my favorite thing about Riverdale is those credits where everybody, you know, they play the tinkly music, the Riverdale theme song that we all know so well. And then everybody kind of turns and looks at the camera and smiles when their name comes up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, it's very fun. Very old school. The other threat, or is it a threat, facing Riverdale is Cult the Farm, run by a guy named Edgar Evernever. Now, we don't know a lot about him, but we did learn a bit about him in the past couple of episodes. He finally showed up. The farm seems to be sort of New Agey, sort of Scientology a little bit, but it has encompassed a couple of our main cast members, specifically Alice Cooper, who has faced a lot of tough times, including her ex-husband or separated husband, Hal Cooper, who was the serial killer of the Black Hood. Also, Cheryl Blossom, 
the HBIC of Riverdale oh, High man. was sucked into the farm last episode while working undercover for Betty Cooper. So big mistake, Betty. And uh, also watch Kevin- your mouth. You watch hey. your mouth, sir. Hey, I am like Cheryl's number one fan. Calm down, dude. And also, uh, Pete, Betty's out of control. Hey, I hate to be the one to mouth. tell you. Betty no is way, out man. of control. This no episode, way. out of control. No way. Completely disagree. Completely well, in control. Handling business. Not she, true. She has control. No days. No days. Is that <laughs> right? Oh. Sort of. That's sort of right. All right. Continue with the BS. Come on. Let's get through it. So Uh, so Cheryl, also Kevin and Fangs are in the farm. We don't find out a lot about them this episode, but they seem to be married by the farm, potentially. Something like that. (laughs) It's hard to say. Poor Kevin. He's just in the background smiling. We walked down the hallway twice. It was his big job this episode. Big big episode for Kevin. uh, Big episode for Fangs as well. Uh, Fangs, as it turns out, is also a boxer. We didn't really know that about him before. But luckily for him, Archie Andrews has opened a boxing gym in town called the El Royale. He was gifted it by Hiram Lodge, who also surprisingly doesn't show up this episode. Uh, But to make amends for framing him for murder and uh, sending 12 people to kill him and a couple of other things and like breaking that. Breaking up his uh, relationship with his daughter. Right. And Tom Keller, who is Kevin Keller's dad, who gets a lot more screen time and dialogue than Kevin Keller this episode, is Archie's coach. Initially against his will, now they're all good and it's all good in the hood. Meanwhile, Archie and Veronica <laughs> broke up a long time back when Archie had to flee town because he was framed for a murder. Oh, man, there's so much going on in the show. Uh, Archie, meanwhile, has started dating Josie. Uh, they, uh, Josie was initially a little bit against it, but she decided to take a chance on him as of the musical episode. So that's very nice. Uh, what else? Betty Cooper. Except for Josie hasn't been in the show in episodes and she appears for one line in this episode. Hey, she was there. All right. She was at the fight. That I think Archie is dating. Archie is dating boxing currently, and he's going to probably break up with that pretty soon. <laughs> Dude, you know sometimes oh, people have busy schedules. All right. Hmm. Is this hitting a little too close to home, Pete? Is that what's going on? No, yeah, I'm what just are you? saying like don't <laughs> shit on Josie just because she's got stuff going on. All right. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, who else do we need to talk about? Uh, Jughead Jones is now a cop, I guess. Yeah, uh, he's, he's a cop. <laughs> he's like a, a junior cop. cop. He's a cop's sure. son. Well, this is how the police force works. I don't think yeah. you guys know this. Uh, but exactly. F.P. Jones is the new sheriff. And <laughs> by the rights of primogenitor, which is definitely not the correct word for that at all, that is uh, a king's right to take any peasant he wants and sleeps with her on her wedding no. night. No, that's uh, prima, so, no, no, that's no. prima nocta. Prima nocta. I don't know. I'm just saying shit to sound yes, intelligent. Clear. See, I think uh, anyway. this, you can't do the recap by yourself anymore. It's too much for one man to ever handle. <laughs> it really is. Like, you need I to can, tag out. You need to tag yeah. out at one point. Yeah. Because you're just literally uh, saying Latin nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> so, Jughead Joe, it really is like we have reached a critical mass in terms of plot here on Riverdale. Yeah. Uh, so, Jughead Jones is tagging along because the serpents are cops in training. Yep. Um, Jughead has a nemesis of his own who is Kurtz. Kurtz was the cook, the head dealer of Fizzle Rocks, working for Gladys Jones, Jughead's returned mom, which Jughead knows FP, the sheriff, does not necessarily know. Also returned is Jelly B. Jones, uh, who is Jughead's little sister. And another little kid you should probably know about is Ricky, a kid yep. who is addicted to Griffin's Gargoyles, a uh, thrall of the Gargoyle King. And, and was Archie's son for like a half an episode. Yeah, for like a, a short, like a tick, uh, until he tried to stab and kill Archie. He wasn't successful, yeah. but he did escape after that. Anything else that we need to know at this point? Uh, huh. Veronica uh, <laughs> runs Popses and also still the underground uh, soda shop. All right. Uh, and she has a kind of a nemesis of her own, uh, also kind of Archie's nemesis, named Elio, who is a teen mobster in town. Elio also has his own boxing ring uh, that he runs. He has a guy named Randy Van Rodson who previously beat Archie in a fight, but it was very, very close. Did you also, cover Did you cover Shoney Chopaz? Oh my God! No, I completely forgot about Shoney Alex, Chopaz. I'm telling you, you got to tag out. 
I got to check out. Uh, so, uh, well, we did mention Cheryl. Uh, Tony, though is not part of the farm. Uh, Cheryl and Tony went through a whole thing over the course of a couple of episodes. They came to a better understanding of each other. They came back together. Uh, But at least going into this episode, Tony is not 100% aware of what's going on with the farm and what is going on with her girlfriend. So there we go. I'll wait. Don't forget about Mad Dog. Oh, Jesus Christ. (laughs) Uh, There's a guy named Mad Dog. That's not that important. It's all right. Bad, bad dog's pretty ripped, but that's all you don't, need to know. Don't forget that's, about Evelyn and Edgar. Evelyn oh, right. Yeah, I did no, forget I think, about Evelyn. Evelyn is important. Evelyn is Edgar's daughter, and she is super into the cult, and she is Betty's nemesis. That's probably yeah. what you need to know there. Let's get into it. No more recap. Enough with the recap. This has been like 10 solid minutes of recap. Justin, walk us through this episode. All right. Okay. It's all been leading up to this. <laughs> uh, we start on on baby teeth. He yeah, I'm is, glad uh, of that we gotta you know acknowledge the fact that the picks up right where the last app ended off three long weeks ago. Yes, my uh, my favorite thing about this scene, which we touched on a little bit earlier, is that FP, the sheriff of Riverdale, <laughs> is like, I can't I can't do this. Uh, yeah. Drunk, <laughs> drunk, you take over. You take over here. <laughs> this is your crime scene now. Yeah, and he's like, what baby teeth? Dead? Okay. Okay. What? We, we, we got to go solve this? He's just constantly there. <laughs> Jughead is the dad and FP is the son. Yeah. yeah. And listen, uh, to be fair, over the course of the series, Jughead is clearly the better investigator than FP. So yeah. at least I guess he's recognized that. It's just so funny to see at the same time. But that's also been their out. dynamic before, you know, when Jughead was trying to take care of his dad when he was drunk all the time. So like... It's not new for them to kind of fall into this. I do love, though, that Jughead also immediately is like, great, I'm Barry Allen now. Here we go. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm going to get down on my knees like a crime scene investigator. Taking pictures. Yeah, poke things with pencil a little bit, check them out. All yeah. good. Seems like this guy, this baby teeth person, doesn't have teeth. Solved. <laughs> that, that's one case closed. This is going to be great for his live journal and his uh, never-ending novel that he's writing. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so Archie, on the other hand, um, is sad also about baby teeth. Um, so he's having a little boxing gym memoriam, uh, yes. which re- repeats throughout the episode. And Mad Dog just totally pops up. Um, and he is decided to fight to win and also to honor baby teeth in the upcoming yes. Gilded Glove Tournament thrown by local bowtie mobster, Elio. Yeah. And uh, we actually did not mention that Mad Dog left the Al Royale gym to work for Elio. He wanted to. Um, Elio, I guess, has money, and Archie does not have a clear source of money yep. at this point because he's yeah. adopted a bunch of ex cons and brought him into the brought them into their gym as charity cases. Uh, so good move, honestly, on Mad Dog's part. Yeah. What, dude? Come on, man. Archie's gym seems real scrappy. All, all I would say is if I'm Mad Dog and I had a choice between boxing at a gym where there is no money and no food or working for a guy who has money and will allow me to buy food, I'm going to go with the latter guy. Yeah, but that's not what you're actually talking about. What it is is you're working for an evil guy who will make you take dives or make you do all sorts of horrible things. Yeah, it's he a, wears velvet. Yeah, he, it's an awful gamble. It's uh, it's it's short money. It's a dumb decision. Also, short money. That's Archie's boxing nickname. Uh, <laughs> Archie. It looks like uh, like a child, like he's supposed to. Mad Dog looks like a thirty five year old man. So it makes <laughs> sense why he would not want a, a jacked thirty five year old dude. He would not follow a child into his uh, free gym that he opened, and he doesn't know how to run a business. <laughs> he could go to Archie's free gym and then get a legit job. That guys, I mean. Working for that guy, though, is just very dangerous, as the show has shown. Uh, should we follow the Archie plotline? I mean, I think these intersect a little bit. We get a couple of scenes of the core four hanging out in the lounge and chatting with each other, which, by the way, great. I love that. More of that. It's fun to see everybody yeah. just chilling with each other. But I think we can follow at least Archie and Veronica's storyline because it stays very separate yeah. with the Betty storyline and the Jughead storyline this episode. 
uh, yeah, I agree. I love the scenes where they're sitting there and they're like, like one upping each other with just their insane lives. Uh, she's like, yeah, I started a gym. I'm fighting for my life in a tournament. And Betty's like, oh yeah, I'm going to go visit my dad. Who's locked up Hannibal Lecter style. Veronica's like, (laughs) Veronica's like, I smell a business deal. (laughs) And she suddenly gets involved. Right. And Jughead is like, well, I guess I'm sheriff now. <laughs> also, uh, one one bone I have to pick though. Uh, I was emboldened by the fact that Jughead was constantly snacking all episode long. That's great, very true. Jughead to the comics, yeah. But very generic snacks. He was eating spicy tortilla chips instead of like smoked Tito's or something like that. Or uh, wow, know. really? This is your bone to pick. This Here's- is it. Yeah, instead of, it could have been like Dora Ito's. I don't know something something more Riverdale to it. I, I was a little oh. bummed out about that. Wow, man, wow. Alex, this writing staff is exhausted. Coming <laughs> Please, up with five hundred different things, and you're like, oh, they really dropped the ball on the name and the chips. <laughs> yeah, all the shit that went down in this episode. You, it took you 20 minutes to recap the episode. <laughs> and you're like, yo, where the fuck are the chip names? Yeah, I think you the need weird to check chip names? I want fizzle chips. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. Call them like window eaters or something instead of door eaters. Oh, my God. You're yeah, ridiculous. if they'd done that, I would have been really happy with that choice. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would have been so Then it would have been a good episode instead of a crappy episode. What? <laughs> you no, take that back. How dare you? <laughs> this is another fine episode of... What I like to a show, this is like my fizzle rocks, is watching this show because <laughs> I foam at the mouth every episode <laughs> and go show insane. It's like a heart attack. It's exactly. just insane. It's yeah. d- direct injection right into your heart. So let's follow uh, Veronica and Archie. Veronica goes to Elio's steam room <laughs> to strike a deal about the Gilded Glove tournament. Yeah. And, now, uh, the, the steam room was called the Grande Room. Yeah. That that wasn't a reference to anything, right? Like I looked that up. There was what what was uh, Papa Poutine's real name? Was it? I feel like there was somebody on the show with the name Grande or something like that. Or I don't know. You just, oh, you think that's a connection to Papa Poutine? Yes, I think so. But isn't Elio was Pop- wasn't Elio introduced? Wasn't he a, a a capo of Papa Poutine? I think so. Yeah, and then. And then Papa Boutine went down, uh, got a little soggy for the game, and yep. in came Elio. Yeah. Um, I like this repartee between Veronica and Elio that's going yeah. on. I enjoy She's acting her. like a boss. She is. She, you know, whatever you think of the Hiram-Veronica relationship, the fact that she is bursting into student rooms and doing whatever she wants, the scene that she has later on where she gets Elio to have the fight at the El Royale is also yep. great. Um, I like seeing her in charge like this. And I would argue, which gets to a big scene that happens later in the episode, a lot of that is because she is going to bat for her man. Who's who's her man, Uh, Alex? Uh, Archie. Archie Andrews. Nope. 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 That's incorrect. Factually wrong. Oh, who's her man, Justin? She ain't got no man, and she don't need no man. (laughs) Nice. Her Her man is money, and she's working hard for it. Oh, I see what you're saying. Uh, and speaking of that, her next uh, scam here is she invites a local newswoman and uh, lost wait, wait, her wait, mind. We got to back up the truck here. We got to back up the truck. We're skipping over some like Archie and Betty sit down to talk and like they kind of come up with a deal and Veronica's like, oh, I'll help you out or whatever. And it's driving me crazy how business like it is. Just like nothing happened between them. Between Archie and Veronica? Yes. That relationship is over, Pete. Yeah, it can be over, Justin, but they have to at least talk about the elephant in the room. Okay? Every time they see each other, they have to be like, hey, no, at least just one time, Justin. Just one time. Have you ever been involved like have you ever been in like a group or comedy group or something with someone that you dated? Uh yes. And did you every day talk about your relationship? <laughs> Were you like, hey, let's just sit in this warm bath of our bro- broken no, relationship? No, but Justin, if I had a relationship with somebody and then I ran away like a bitch and then almost got killed by a bear, and when I came back and saw that person, I might say something. I might say something. To Justin's point, 
If you, if we were in a group with a bunch of people and Pete, you had dated one of those people and then broke it up and run away like a bitch or whatever you want to say. If you, every single time you're sat down or like real quick, I want to just establish that I dated that person. We would stop being friends with you. I'm not saying every time guys, I'm just saying one time. One time. Do you remember so. how long it took me to recap this episode? If they recapped everything that happened in Riverdale every single time, every episode would be 40 hours long, which would be I'm great. not saying recap everything. I'm just saying maybe Archie should say, hey, I'm sorry. Shit got so crazy. How are you? Something how like that. How would that have come up? How would that have organically come up in that conversation? Thank you know, for man. trying to tamper with a jury member you did in one two minute scene once a long time ago. <laughs> uh, and then Jughead would be like, you know what? It's weird that I'm eating this generic Brad spicy tortilla <laughs> chips. Oh my God. Wow. Don't you guys think? We're all at cross purposes here. Uh, <laughs> you're pissed off about the chips. Pete's pissed off because he wants him to behave like no human in the world has ever behaved. Oh my God. <laughs> and brought up a breakup on a normal conversation. Uh, well, Pete, I think let's jump ahead real quick before we jump back. There's scene when Betty, or sorry, when Veronica and Archie are sitting together, and it yeah. gets a little romantic. Yeah. They're looking at each other's lips, and Archie's like, yeah, I'll make out and ruin this relationship again. And and Veronica's like, no, and she gets up and leaves. I think that, to me, showed their relationship is truly over. What? Agreed. Agreed. 100% completely don't agree. You really, Pete, you of all people agree with this? I am flabbergasted yep. because that scene, first of all, that scene was great. I'm not necessarily the biggest Varshi shipper in the world. I like them together. I think they're good together. But the way they looked at each other, the total like pause when they started to move closer together I think that's Veronica doesn't want her heart hurt again. She loves Archie. She needs Archie. She's better with Archie. For, what are you uh, talking about? And Archie, Archie, Archie is his problem a walking is walking fucking trash fire. <laughs> she should not be anywhere near that fucking guy. He's up, dude. You All love he does you love is just set things on fire and go. Oh, what, you lo- oh, what, oh, what happened? <laughs> You were just going to bat for Josie and Archie being together, and now all of a sudden you're like, Archie's a trash fire. Hey, I, I want to get to what really that scene was about. Are you saying Josie is the fire hosey that could put out his trash fire? Oh, yeah, why, why are you throwing a pussycat into a trash fire, Pete? <laughs> I would never. I would never. <laughs> you what are. I want to talk about... Wait, wait, no, 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 no. We have to stay on this scene because this is a big scene of the episode. Uh, I know! What so, happens immediately after is what I want to talk about, but you guys are hanging up on the bullshit. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Archie, though, on the other hand, we've talked about this incessantly on the podcast, is a dog chasing cars. He is very focused on what is in front of him, and I think that at least part is what going through his mind, that he's like, oh, this is Veronica. I used to kiss Veronica. Maybe I kiss Veronica now. What do you think? And he's not yeah. thinking about Josie at all. That's bad. That makes me upset. But... They have so much chemistry together. And in that scene, uh, I think it's pretty clear what's going to happen at this point, right? Well, that, but let's, Alex, I, I agree with you. But how remember, do you think anything in this show is clear? A- Alex, remember when the bear was about to attack Archie, he also had a moment where he tried to kiss the bear on the lips. <laughs> right. And uh, I think that Archie has chemistry with everything. He has a chemistry, <laughs> his chemistry with the guy's a plate of eggs. chemistry. Yeah. That's why he lights so many fires. Sure, absolutely. But I think also at the same time, it's pretty clear that Josie is going to be leaving so that she can go do Katie Keene. Next episode, she'd be like, hey, guys, I got cast in a pilot. It's not 100% sure that it's going to be picked up until upfronts, but it seems pretty likely. So I'm out of Riverdale. That's going to be the exact dialogue next episode. And then by the end of the season, we're going to get Farchie back together. And it's been this whole journey of them apart. What happens when they come back together? Barchi is rising, Alex, and uh, you would <laughs> you would you do well. That? It's it's oh. happening. What, what's your evidence from this episode? Well, from this episode, no. That Betty was doing her own thing in this episode, and honestly, Betty's a little. Bit, well, I'm, worried, not, I'm worried about her. W- no, we got to talk about Betty, but we, let's not talk about this here. Can we so, please talk about do you want to what talk happened about immediately outside? after? Should we that? go outside? Let's move on to something I want to talk about, which is Fred Andrews. No one else sure. wants to pot talk about oh that. Oh my this podcast. god, you fucking asshole! 
The scene with Fred Andrews was very good. When he says you're flying too close to the sun, very good, very funny. This was the first time I felt like I've dealt with the fact that he's uh, not going to be in the show any longer because um, I will never uh, Luke forgive Perry you died. for this. But uh, <laughs> forgive me. But yeah. that, that that was a, a just a great scene. You know, I've been dying to talk about that for like two minutes now, and you fucking jumped all over that. I'm so sorry that Justin ruined the past two minutes. That seems like a significant portion of your life, Pete. Well, talk about it. What what did you like about it? Pete. Dude. So I just thought it was awesome the way he kind of like leaned in, like knows exactly what's going on. Like, oh, just friends, huh? That was just such a money kind of thing. And it was just and and we're talking about the credits. Early on, we're making a joke about the credits, but when I saw Luke Perry's name came up, come up on the credits, I lost it. And I just feel like even if we get just like little seconds of them here and there, it's just so fantastic. I agree. I, I know we've said this exact same thing on the padca- podcast for the past couple of episodes as he's turned up, but... All of the scenes with him, even if they've been teeny tiny little scenes, have been so good and so sweet and so perfect for Luke Perry, for the character of Fred Andrews. Um, Listen, they haven't said anything official about it at this point, but this was the last episode that he filmed. Um, I'm getting a suspicion at this point, based on having looked ahead at synopses and things, that they're not necessarily going to deal with it this season, which honestly seems like the smart choice, that potentially they will deal with whatever, however they want to deal with it. They'll give themselves some time and deal with it next season. I also don't know if they had additional scenes that they can loop into other episodes or anything like that, if they can make them work. Um, But this is the last stuff that he filmed. And if it is a send off, it's not necessarily a perfect send off, but there's nothing really that you can plan like that. And at least he ends the way that he began on the show by giving Archie advice, by being funny, by being sweet and heartfelt and the Luke Perry that we knew and loved. Yeah, it was a great scene for if it is his last, truly. That was a great well, scene, I thought. He, he was at the fight, which was also awesome. Yeah, and True. that's great, too. It's yeah. nice seeing him there. But I think, like, as the character of Fred Andrews, this is what we got. Again, we don't know exactly what's going to happen going forward, but um, every moment we get with him, as you guys said, uh, is an important one. Shall we uh, move on with the rest of the Archie plotline? Yeah, let's jump back. So um, Veronica sets up a uh, interview with a local TV station. Um, Alice is somehow able to simultaneously be falling apart in every aspect of her life, but still maintain her presence as the number one reporter for RIVW, Riverdale's local news station. And most importantly of all, is somehow able to record video without a microphone, yeah. yes. which blew my mind. Also, amazing depth of field on the uh, Riverdale local station cameras. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I th- That broke my brain, honestly, that scene a little bit. Just from well, <laughs> I was like, what is she reporting on? It's just a commercial for a gym. It was kind of like, what is happening here? Well, there's, no, there's nothing else going on in Riverdale for the news to be focused on. <laughs> so it's a feel-good story. They're like, hey, a bunch of murders. Uh, let's end the hour of news with a fun story about a local hero, which is what Alice Smith calls Archie. Yeah. Um, and yeah. I, love the, I love the old school SNL-style cue cards they have floating around for oh, Archie. Oh, yeah, Archie couldn't. They had to make cue cards for him. I was, I was a little like, oh man. I was surprised that they didn't uh, make that they were just pictures because I'm not 100 percent sure that Archie could read at this point. Oh come on, man! Wow. <laughs> I why will did say, they, why did can, they do that bit? Why not just have them talk like you? Well, I think it, it felt like there was something where because um, Archie said that he was giving free lessons at his gym, and that seemed like he didn't know he was going to be saying that, and that maybe yep. bothered him. And also, uh, it just felt like Veronica was putting words in Archie's mouth, which yeah. I thought was an indication also that she's maybe not really caring about him as much as you might think. Well, I don't know. I think he needs that. He needs that control. He needs that guidance in his life, certainly. I will also say one thing that I did like about the scene, even if I was completely mind-boggled by how Alice exactly was delivering any of that uh, successfully on the news, that it didn't sound 
terrible from an audio perspective. Um, wow. But <laughs> your head's in the wrong part of the game, dude. Yeah, absolutely. I'm very <laughs> focused on the chips <laughs> and the local news audio. Uh, KJ Appa's delivery, though, he flattened out his delivery when he was reading off of the key yeah. cards, and it was yeah. very funny. Yeah, I was cool. like that a lot. So, uh, so jumping ahead, that. that's good. Yeah. yeah, we covered the audio problems, which everyone is just lighting up <laughs> about in listening to this. All yeah, the sound, all the sound heads. Twitter all night. Sound Twitter is going nuts over this episode of Riverdale. Uh, yeah. There's no such thing as sound Twitter, Alex. <laughs> Twitter's unsound. It's gonna uh, be after this. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so moving on, uh, Mad Dog uh, comes into the, the gym later and says that Randy, uh, who will, Archie is going to fight at this tournament, um, has been juicing. And he juicing. gives Archie some drugs to take. Archie is like, I don't do that stuff. And uh, I, I was pleasantly surprised at how this went. It felt like when Mad Dog handed him the drugs that it was like Chekhov's fizzle rocks that mm-hmm. eventually Archie would be like, this is what I need. And then suddenly Archie is addicted to fizzle rocks and that's where we were going. Maybe that'll turn up the next episode or something like that. But yeah, because he I was, left them there. He was just like, oh, you don't want that? All right, cool. We'll just hold these drugs for me. Exactly. Uh, but I'm glad they did not go in that direction. I'm glad that they do not have Archie hooked on fizzle rocks or yeah. I guess G. Now it's called G. Yeah, uh, exactly. Which I think we learn later is Gatorade. Um, <laughs> very dangerous. Uh, yeah. But before that, Archie and his squad run to Baby Teeth's uh, regular sized grave, um, which yeah. is a very dead poet society, um, was the vibe I was getting from this moment. Oh, was it? I th- I was yeah. It's re- been a while uh, since I watched the movie. so I was getting Remember the Titans. Yeah. Um, either way, it was fun. Archie feels like he is sort of like in a leadership role that we haven't really seen in a while. Um, and he's sort of like becoming comfortable as the leader of this little band of uh, boxers. That definitely leans into the whole theory that we've been talking about, that they're forming all these different fantasy squads and that the yeah. Red Paladin is the head of this group of fighters. Um, he's going to have to effectively lead them if they are going to have some sort of massive battle at the end of the season. It is funny, especially now that Game of Thrones has come back, that the if Riverdale is truly doing this sort of uh, – sequence at the end where it'll be all these different uh, fantasy gangs fighting each other while Game of Thrones is also doing that. It's a nice combination of our culture. Yeah. Which do you think is going to be bigger? Uh, Honestly, Alex, I don't know. But (laughs) which group is going to have more people um, hooking up uh, on Fizzle Rocks? Also, I don't know. (laughs) Yeah, that was weird when they brought that up at the Game of Thrones premiere when Arya was like, hey, are you on uh, G, Sansa? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, and the White Walkers are like, hey, um, you want to play a quick game of uh, <laughs> Griffins and Gargoyles? Hey, this, yeah. is, this is a cool bit, but let's move on. No, hey, th- never. Hey, thanks for the checking in on us, Pete. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, we get to the big fight. Uh, we get a quick check in with Josie and Veronica, who are in the crowd. And Josie's like, yeah, why are you so involved with my boyfriend? Doesn't mm-hmm. look like uh, it's going to go well between that situation. Um, well, Veronica was quick to kind of like point out like, oh, yeah, Archie looks great. Yeah. Pops is sponsoring him. I I thought that was very interesting, that dynamic. I was surprised by it because in a reversal from what I was saying earlier, Veronica, I think, doesn't see anything wrong with what she's doing. Josie clearly does. And I think that yeah. points to some tension even though they had that whole song back in the musical about being all into each other and really giving each other a chance. Um, I think there was a pretty clear indication the next episode when Josie does at least temporarily leave the show, we're going to see her. I, I think we're going to see a Josie saying, listen, you are still into Veronica. There's still something there. You got to figure out what it is. I'm out. I agree with you, but I also think Veronica wasn't showing any sign that she was trolling Josie in this scene at all. No, I, not at all. Veronica was well, talking about, like, she got that stuff for Archie, I think, because this is a business venture for her. Like, mm-hmm. she seems more Hiram than at all interested in Archie. Yeah, uh, absolutely. But I think Josie is getting the underpinnings there because there clearly is some unresolved business between Veronica and Archie. All I know is every time Archie was in trouble, they were both reacting like they were both his girlfriend. 
So do you think Josie and Veronica is going to be a thing, Pete? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> sure. <laughs> yeah, great. You heard it here first. Pete's sick of talking to us. <laughs> uh, so uh, the fight starts. Elio gives uh, Randy a bunch of G-juice, which a uh, special concoction. Um, I mean, the- I really like the way that they kind of played on, like, he's juicing, and then they literally had a straw in a bottle and was like, here, have some juice. Yeah. It's like. I mean, that's what I get. I don't know about you guys, but I have a bunch of juice, and I go nuts like that, too. Start frothing at the mouth, go crazy, get super strength every time. That's because you can't handle sugar, Alex. Yeah. Give me some cran. I'm the man. Wow. Wow. What a cool way of saying cranberry juice. Uh, The the boxy stuff I thought was shot really well. It was uh, great. It was intense. Yeah, Um, it really was. I love the moment when, uh, when Coach Keller was like, hey, ref. This guy's cheating, and Elio's like, no, I'm not. And they're like, no, okay, let's get the match back going. <laughs> or uh, like, hey, ref, uh, why why didn't they stop that fight? Like, hey, hey, do you notice that guy's foaming at the mouth and seems like he's turning into a monster? Oh, we'll go another round? Cool, cool, cool. This seems safe. I mean, listen, they haven't cleaned the El Royale in, uh, I don't know, 20 years or something like that, so who even really cares? Where did they get that ref? He probably <laughs> wandered off the street somewhere. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, great point. <laughs> that ref is bullshit. Uh, so Archie ends up knocking Randy out, and he's straight up dead. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he killed him. Yeah. So after an entire season of Archie finally beating a murder rap that he didn't commit, he actually killed a man. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah. Not great. Not great optics. Fortunately, he knows the cops and the kid cops. Yep. And also, murder doesn't matter in the town of Riverdale because all they're doing is covering advertisements for local establishments most of the time on the news. So he should be good to go. Yeah, he should be fine. Yep. Uh, So let's jump back into the. uh, You want to do Betty next? Yeah, let's do Betty. Oh, man. So Betty on the case, all up in the Edgar Evernever's personal business, his record. There's no record of this guy. Doesn't Um, exist. She did some research. Yeah, she did a little bit of research. Um, uh, we see Cheryl in full farm form, wearing all white, which is hard to keep stain free. And it is after Labor Day, so it's a sort of a faux pas. No, yeah. that was awful seeing her in all white like that. With the, it that- was pretty upsetting. I, I do want to take a step back though and talk about the Betty Edgar stuff because we pick up on her saying, "I want to know everything." Yeah. We get to see several conversations with Betty and Edgar throughout this episode. Um, what What is your take at this point on Edgar after this episode? Well, I want to say that, like, I loved Betty's moment. She was like, no, really. How are you doing the ghost thing? Like, I loved yeah. the fact that she was just straight up calling him out on his bullshit. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I don't know. This... This episode did a great job of not really having a hard line on him because I feel like what he's doing, like by convincing these people that they're talking to a dead relative, they it's bad. It's bad for them. They take it too far. Like Alice believes uh, that she's been talking to her dead son above video of uh, of him. Or sorry, Cheryl believes that she was talking to her dead brother, Jason, above video of him being killed. It, yeah. it, which we saw in this episode. So uh, between that, that is bad. But all, the way Edgar Evernever was talking about how he used taking care of these people was like he was being therapeutic for them. He was trying to help them deal with these uh, emotions that they haven't dealt with in their lives. So Yeah, he kept saying best self. Yeah. But then I, they have to do some like and then would kind of trail off. Like I first make them my slave people and, you know, then but no, then but they're uh, their best self. That's not what I took away from it. I mean, to your point, Justin, this this gets towards my feeling about it is I think given the way society is and the way that we think about things and the way that Betty talks about it, absolutely, yes, you should go to a therapist, you should not join a cult. That is the correct thing to do. But the way that Chad Michael Murray is playing the character, and obviously this is purposeful because you do need to believe that this cult leader could bring people in. He seems to understand, based on the way that they structure the dialogue, that what he is doing is not actually what Alice and Cheryl think are going on, but he does have actually their best interests at heart. You don't yeah. know that. He's trying Dude, to don't make say them- that. You don't know that. But that, I, I don't. I, I don't. I, I, I agree. It does feel like he thinks he does. 
And uh, I, I, honestly, in this episode, Edgar Evernever seems way more stable and have a grasp of what's happening than Betty. Oh, yes. you watch your mouth. Betty is out of control in this right episode. Now. No, I mean, let's keep talking about it. She is meeting with Hal a lot and seems to be taking his advice. Okay, well, when, wait, wait. First off, back up the truck here, okay? This guy running a farm is doing all these things to these people. He's lying to them. He's making them wear white and do weird shit. You don't know uh, that. And you they're don't not know in full. They're using all this brainwashed lingo like detractors and stuff. And then... There's the flying goddamn babies over the campfire that nobody wants to goddamn talk about. You keep getting hooked on this. The (laughs) thing is, sometimes babies fly, and that's just part of raising babies. It's not a big deal. Pete, I think what Edgar Evernever is doing, to get back to that point, is he is trying to work people through this intense trauma that they've gone through, like Cheryl having her twin brother die, like Alice having to give up her baby and then finding out he's dead. Is he doing it the right way? I would say, from my perspective, no. But I I don't get the impression, based on what he's saying, that he is malignant. You know? He's not bad the way that Betty initially thinks he's bad. And I think at least partially that's the realization she comes to towards the end of the episode. Are you guys forgetting about the fact that Mrs. Cooper almost drowned to death because all of them were holding her underwater and shit? I think when you drown, sometimes that's a good thing. I almost drowned one time, and it was a great story to tell people. Yeah, she's going to have a great story at the end of this season. Uh, <laughs> you guys no. are never going to believe what happened to me. So, okay, so, <laughs> so Justin, you think Betty's crazy for fighting for her mom and the fact that she is off her rocker. And, yeah, Betty recognizes that, hey, my mom needs help. And maybe I'm not kind of doing this the right way. But the fact that she's willing to fight for her mom is just it's fantastic. Well, but what I think Betty, I feel like, had to come to some realizations here about what she's dealing with. And she has this darkness in her that uh, she hears on these tapes that Alice Alice has been talking about with Edgar. Yeah, like, but you don't at, you can't re- believe an audio recording. Like, Pete, you sound like you're in the farm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you can often believe in audio recording. Uh, like if this, I was this standing podcast, near a locker, Justin, I would throw you up against the locker and threaten your life. See, yeah, I, sh- I should mention this podcast is fake, and this is actually just Pete doing all the voices. Yeah. Have we established that before? That would be wildly insane. <laughs> <laughs> but Pete, I, I do mean it. Like uh, Betty, she she tries to confront Alice to be like Alice. Mom, you're so messed up. I need to. Uh, I need you to confront this. And Alice is like, "You faked a grave of my son that I am traumatized about. I can't." Yeah, because she's you. trying to prove that, that you can't talk to the dead. Yeah, that's but not possible. She's also also doing let's take a step back, and I'll just give a brief overview of the plot because we're spinning wildly out of control here. So uh, <laughs> Betty is, as we mentioned, trying to deal with what's going on on the farm. She recruits Tony, uh, tells Tony, hey, Cheryl has been recruited. Tony, very surprised, clearly has not talked to her girlfriend in a little while, um, and finds out that Cheryl has been seeing Jason. So Betty's plan is twofold, uh, as you guys just mentioned. One, she gets the suggestion from Hal to uh, make a fake gravestone for Charles Smith, who is Alice's dead son, and put it up there. Uh, And then on the other end of the spectrum, she says, hey, Tony, why don't you show this footage of Cheryl's dad killing her twin brother? And that'll prove to her that uh, Jason is actually dead and she hasn't hugging her. So Tony shows the footage to Cheryl. Cheryl says, oh, well, video footage can be faked. And then Tony says, have you hugged Jason? And she uh, stammers and says, what? Yes, of course. I have to go. Goodbye. So that's what's going on there. Meanwhile, uh, Betty pursues Alice. She ends up throwing her in the sex bunker uh, and locking her up there, trying to show her the evidence of her life, of what happened before. Alice ends up burning that evidence, uh, which ultimately through that, as well as conversations with Edgar, makes her realize that maybe Alice is better with the farm. And despite threatening to kill Evelyn in the hallway, uh, she ends up giving Alice back to Evelyn so she can be part of the farm. Meanwhile, Tony is dealing with Cheryl, 
Uh, she also has her own dust up with Evelyn, which is absolutely a fantastic scene where yeah. Evelyn's like the farm can uh, give her something that you can't. And she's like, shut up, bitch. I know yeah. exactly what I give her. I give her much more than you can. So Tony, when Cheryl is about to leave the farm is like, no, come to me. I'm going to give you, I need you right now. Mind, body, and soul. Mostly they end body. up hooking up. Uh, but Cheryl goes back to the farm. Anyway, she's told by Evelyn, I need to choose between you and the farm. And Tony says, is there any other way? Cheryl says, there is another way. So Tony joins the farm, but it turns out Tony's actually a double agent working for Betty. They're still together and they're going to try to get the people they really care about out of the farm. So that's the broad overview of the thing. Uh, Now we can jump back and argue about it. Pete, start yelling, go. Okay, so first off, Justin, we all know that you chloroform people you love for their best interest, okay? That's true. I've been chloroformed by you multiple times, and I expect (laughs) it'll happen again right after this podcast. (laughs) But you're always alive the next day, you know? You've learned a lesson. You're a better person for it. It's what you do for the people you love. Also, um, you can't leave someone in this goddamn sex bunker uh, with all this flame, like w- there's too many candles in the sex bunker. Come on, Betty, you know better. I agree with you. She was handcuffed to the the sex bed, and there were too yeah. many candles around there. They could have easily fallen over. Bad plus, Betty. Tallboy's body is clearly still under there somewhere. All so, right. <laughs> so basically, being like, "Hey, mom, I'm gonna handcuff you to this bed that every teen in town has had sex on, and there's probably a dead body under here. Mm-hmm. Don't burn anything." Plus, now literally everyone knows about the sex bunker. It's not even a sex bunker anymore. It's like an adult prison. I'll tell you what. (laughs) Dilton is rolling in his grave right now. Oh, yeah. yeah, He is super pissed. It was funny when she was like, yeah, I locked my mom in Dilton's bunker. And I was like, oh, yeah, Dilton. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that? (laughs) But I like how it was like cut to Jughead being like, what? You left your mom in the bunker? Yeah. I will say... Overall, Lily Reinhardt in this episode was incredible, as Amazing. usual. Her yeah. acting job across the board, particularly her scenes with Madge and Amick in the bunker, that one scene where Alice is begging Betty to let her go and Betty is trying to get through to her. They are, Remember who you are. such... They're such good actresses, and watching them work off of each other, it elevates all of the material and everything that's going on, and even in the midst of her mom being chained in a sex bunker to break her out of a cult while a stick monster is wandering through town, it felt real. Like it felt like real meaty acting and they did such a wonderful job there. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. And also like, I think Betty was completely in the right when she uh, threw uh, Evelyn up against that locker and threatened her life. I mean, that, that that's what was legit. Well, I hope you never have children because that's <laughs> bad advice for anyone to take. But I uh, love that. I love Betty's arc in the episode. Oh, yeah, Just the dark Betty moments. Oh, there's been so many episodes this season in particular where Betty is at her wits end at absolutely everything. And this episode was a great example of that. Just pushing her and pushing her and pushing to her until she gets to the point of slamming Evelyn against that locker. And it's so intense that even Evelyn is shocked about it, but they keep the camera close to Lily Reinhardt right up in her face and her just saying, ask anybody in the school, I'll kill you. is (laughs) So intense. Oh, yes. Great. So great. Uh, It was horrifying. Um, Last thing about Betty, the Cooper family house signs the divorce papers and wants to come home. Yeah. yeah, it just has one small favor. Yeah. Uh, suspect. Really, it, it, Hal's role in this episode was sort of odd. It, it didn't He was sort of giving Betty bad advice, but also uh, setting something up for him in the future, I think, in a weird he, way. He's, he has something that he's working yeah. on. Yeah, I don't think he's the gargoyle king necessarily or anything like no. that. I feel like that would be a cheap out, but definitely... He's definitely going to get out, and that's definitely going to be bad news for everybody when he does. Yeah. I, yeah, it's kind of upsetting that Betty keeps going back there. 
Uh, I would like to say, though, that the creepy Moore guy, so great to see him back. So Dr. Turtle Jr. Let's well, get actually, over. Uh, before we jump over to Jughead, I just wanted to call out uh, one other thing about Tony. First of all, A, Tony, actually two things about Tony. One, fantastic uh, outfits throughout the episode. Yeah. Absolutely great stuff. But, uh, but I don't know if it struck you guys or I'm reading too much into it, but from a comic fan perspective, first, Tony saying, uh, I'm going to make you mine or I'll be yours. Uh, body, mind, and soul. And then the outfit, the farm outfit she was wearing at the end with like the peekaboo things above her pants, both of those felt like vintage 90s Chris Claremont, John Byrne X-Men to me. Did that strike you guys like that at all? No. Were you doing some sort of like uh, hyper-focused drug, Alex, when you were watching this episode? I feel like you had just, like, you snorting, you're, you're snorting Ritalin or something before you watch these episodes because you're, the details you're going into are crazy. <laughs> Here's the thing. it's If you look at the peekaboo areas, they were just the right size for spicy tortilla chips. Oh, my God. <laughs> It, the pieces are coming together in whatever weird fantasy no, but for you've been real, looking it, for. It did feel there was Chris Claremont always had that, like, you'll be mine, body, mind, and soul thing. Like, that was his verbal tick that he'd use. And yes. the way that she was dressed at the end just struck me like Psylocke back in the 90s or so. I don't know. Wow. I'm just throwing that out there. Um, yes. Uh, maybe it's a crossover with a cross promotion with Dark Phoenix. Uh, I would like to say the Tony Cheryl stuff was really so powerful and so great. And I liked how much that Tony was fighting for Cheryl. You know, uh, after she confronted Evelyn in the bathroom, she was like, Cheryl, stay with me. And Cheryl did. I thought that was such a powerful thing and a great moment. And then Tony realizing, okay, the only way I can keep this going is going over to the dark side. And wearing white, which uh, just seeing everybody in the white, it was so awful. But that was the plan all along, it seemed like. Like, Betty was... That was a backup plan in case her other plans didn't uh, go through. Betty's got plans on plans on plans. Oh, man. Pretty cool. All right, let's jump over to Jughead. Unless you guys want to talk about uh, the peekaboo holes on Tony's outfit some more. Nope. Please stop saying those words. Peekaboo holes. So over over in... uh, in the Jones family. Um, yes, uh, baby teeth is dead, and so Dr. Kirtle is licking his lips to get in there and do an autopsy. Oh, um, yeah. Baby teeth died from having his baby teeth pulled, ironically. I guess they weren't so small after all. Uh, yeah, because they were he, pretty large the past the episode. Way. Yeah. He also had a matchbook in his throat from the Maple Club. Shoved. Down yeah. his now, throat. I, I'll tell you, I got a little confused for a second because when Dr. Kirtle Jr. was very excitedly talking about uh, what was going on with baby teeth. And he said, I thought I looked into the face of true evil, uh, but now I know that I hadn't. I thought he was talking about his guest role over on Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, where he looked into a uh, portal to a Lovecraftian Cthulhu-esque other dimension. But then uh, later I remembered he had actually uh, talked about previously... Uh, when he saw the victim of the Gargoyle King, he said, this is not the Black Hood, uh, not Clifford Blossom. This is the face of true evil. So uh, I was a little me, bummed out. I thought maybe there was a crossover, but there wasn't. That so. would be crazy, Alex, once again. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I got to think. <laughs> uh, oh, my God. This episode made me really start to suspect <laughs> Dr. Curdle Jr., what? Hold on. You just called me crazy. <laughs> you said I'm suspecting Dr. Colonel Jr. No, he's to- right. He's right, though. The detail in which he's talking about it and the like, love he has for it, it's, yeah. Here's it's what I think. Almost I, the- I think that line is the clue that I'm pointing at. It's like, do you ever take that, um, it, like, a sociopath test? It was something that people talked about years ago. And it was the kind of, it was something about, like, you, uh, a story about going a woman going to a funeral, and then you're meant mm-hmm. to guess what happens next. And the if you say, "Oh, she she killed the another victim, and that's why she so she could go to another funeral." Um, now I think Doctor Curdle may be the Gargoyle King, and he's killing people so that he has more work in the morgue. Wow! <laughs> so he has more work. More he just. 
because the way he said it's like looking I'm at the face. I'm making a lot of money in the Borg. It's not about money. It's about like him being the center of attention in Riverdale. Uh, all these people coming to visit him. I feel like uh, what he when he said that's the face of true evil. I feel like he was that was self-aggrandizing. I feel like he was it, saying that because he is the one doing the killing, so he, he was, is the true evil. He was really excited when he said it. It struck me as odd as well. If that's his plan, I gotta. I have some bad news for him. He's appeared like three times this season. That's not abnormal for the actual villain in a season of Riverdale. Sure, that's, that's true. true. I guess he's appeared more than Reggie has in the past couple of episodes. Yep. So maybe okay, Reggie Reggie's is the gargoyle. the gargoyle king. Reggie is the gargoyle king. Confirmed. The, confirmed. No, I really, this episode really had me, I mean, I've been a, huh. a ride, ride or die for Hermione being the Gargoyle King, but this really had my eyes on, on Dr. Kirtle Jr. Here's my question, though. What is Dr. Kirtle going to think when his son, Dr. Kirtle Jr., turns out to be the Gargoyle King? But that's Disappointment. What but I think that also fits into the legacy um, aspects of this season that Mm. haven't sort of been at the forefront since for a long time, but the season definitely started with, it was like the parents, the sins of the parents have been visited on this next generation. And I feel like Dr. Kirtle Jr. really fits into that. I, I see what you're saying. I think he's just a creepy weirdo. Yeah. Okay, Alex, that's what they said about you. And you're <laughs> clearly a psychopath. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah. Ever give you're you the that psychopath. I don't know. Oh, uh, I, I did want to get back to something. I, I completely forgot about something where we were talking about Edgar Ever and Ever, though. There's a detail that he drops. He tells a story to Betty about his origin, where he came from. Uh, and he says, listen, I had a different life. My life was in tatters. I was wandering. I found a tree. I collapsed. Woke up in a white room and a woman was tending to me at a farm and I worked there, felt better, and I wanted to bring that same feeling to everybody. Uh, so there's two things about that that I wanted to bring up. One, that's almost exactly the same thing that happened to Archie back yes. in The Man in Black, where, again, they found a farm, a woman tended to him. Archie spent a lot of time this episode saying, wow, this place seems really familiar and I feel really comfortable here. I don't know why. There's definitely some sort of setup or connection with that. Yeah. But the second thing is, it doesn't seem like a random detail that he had another life beforehand, and then he just renamed himself Edgar Evernever. Who do you think he was before that? Do you think it would be too obvious he was like, I was a gargoyle king briefly uh, many years <laughs> ago, <laughs> but I've given that up. Yeah, I, I do think, I mean, we talked about this in a previous episode, but I do think it makes the most sense for him to be the Monsignor of Sisters of Quiet Mercy. Yeah, oh. that's what, uh, that his story made me think he was taken in by the Sisters of the Quiet Mercy. Um, oh, okay. Right. Rather than that the well. farm. But I, I also, bringing up the farm that Archie was at, that whole episode was weird, and it did feel like Fizzle Rocks was such a thing out there that it could have been uh, related to... All right. If that theory that Edgar Evernever was started got his farm start on the farm on that farm. Yeah. Sorry, Pete, are you done talking about this now? Yeah, we gotta move on and talk about the goddamn fizzle rocks <laughs> and the zombies and the shit. What is your Great. rush? Dude, you guys go off on these fucking tangents and after a while they get boring. You know what I mean? Come on. Jesus we keep Christ. Moving. We gotta keep it moving. What when did we invite this heckler on the show? Exactly. <laughs> it's a two drink minimum, asshole. Finish your drink and get out of here. Uh, so uh, part of this story is uh, the Jones family realizing that Fizzle Rocks has become G. Um, there's this great horrifying scene where the girl's banging her head against the oh, locker at yeah. school. Um, Everybody's really calm about that, too. Yeah, and they realize this first by tracking down G to Penelope Blossom's Maple Club, the BDSM club that she runs out of the Five Seasons, a room there. Uh, and there's a dude with, like, I don't even know what you call that kind of beard, where it's like almost a devil beard kind of thing. Where you have, Pete, you have a beard. You probably know about this, where it's like two horns coming off. Yeah, it's just a beard with, you know, two horns coming out of it. 
I'm sure it has a name to it. Uh, anyway, he's foaming at the mouth. Uh, he is growling like a animal and tries to attack FP. FP sucker punches him and knocks him out. So they take it was him great back. to see FP handle business like that. It's great. I'm surprised he didn't farm it out to Jughead because he can do literally nothing by himself. Uh, he locks you, them up. They find another dude, lock him up. They take the teenager who's also going crazy. People going crazy all over town with this laced G and, uh, they end up taking it back. They dry some folks out and find out the dude, with the devil horns beard, uh, reveals that Kurtz is behind it. Uh, Kurtz is the guy who's selling the lace G. So they end up tracking him down. Uh, he is going to be selling some G outside the fight that Archie and Randy Von Ronson are going to have. And they catch Kurtz pretty easily, but it turns out to be all part of the plan because they bring Kurtz back and Kurtz reveals, Oh, uh, we actually are launching our final quest. And the final quest is save the princess. Now, the detail we didn't mention, we actually uh, we mentioned Ricky earlier. Ricky is playing G&G with Jellybean. Jellybean is being ignored by her parents because one of her parents is selling drugs all over the town. The other one is trying and failing to be a sheriff. Uh, so she's hanging out and pops playing G&G with Ricky. And Ricky lures her into the woods and takes her to the Gargoyle King. And that's the end of the episode. Yeah. Uh, yes, Pete. couple things. One... He calls it the final game, which <laughs> I was like, okay, good, because I can't take any more of this shit. You know, I'm glad that this is fucking it, because I don't want this going to get any fucking crazier. Well, so uh, let's, let's, let's talk about what's going to happen in the last couple of episodes here. Um, I have, I mean, it's not exactly a theory necessarily, but we have next week's episode is called Fear the Reaper, and it's going to be dealing with Jelly Bean being missing. That's one of the things that's rolling off it. Then the episode after that is Prom Night, and then we have two episodes to go, including the finale. I almost feel like it's going to be this game played over the last couple of episodes that jelly bean is going to be missing. They're not necessarily going to get her back the next episode, but this final mission is going to bleed into the final four episodes of the season. And at least prom night, I feel like the last three episodes are going to be one very bad night in Riverdale. Yeah, I could see that, especially prom night being the prompt there. Um, but I wonder, it feels weird to me that Jellybean would be the central character for them to all be chasing for the last yeah, four the episodes. Yeah, the princess. So I feel like at least next episode, I feel like they might get Jellybean back, but that will spin them into the, the finale, um, the, the final confrontation with the Gargoyle King. Right. So the Gargoyle King will be like, that was the final mission. Now here's the final, final mission. Yeah. But- vote, vote me prom king. Do you guys? Uh, Do you think that'll happen? Do you think the Gargoyle King is going to be prom king? I mean, he's going to make whole... he, he's going to make prom core. I'll tell you that much, Alex. Who will be the Gargoyle Queen? Oh, that's exciting. Uh, Betty, she's already been the Gargoyle Queen. No, she's the Griffin Queen. Yeah, Whatever. she's the Griffin Queen, dude. Same thing. Get Anyways, did you guys notice? It seemed to me like this Gargoyle King, this new one, was definitely different from the ones we've seen in prior episodes. How do you mean? Physically, uh, the face paint was different. It was like a lighter tone. Uh, yeah, I thought there was like physical differences between the Gargan we've seen before and the one we saw at the end of the episode. He definitely, I did notice he had like these peekaboo holes right above his pants, oh and they were God. big enough for a of spicy all tortilla the chip. Things to call back. Baker <laughs> begged you not to. Uh, no, I didn't really notice that, but that makes sense because it's almost definitely the Uber Gargoyle King, the one who's been behind everything and goes back in the day to midnight club times. I, I don't think there's any way we could have another fake Gargoyle King at this point late in the season. No, it's, it's coming said, down to it. This show's insane. You can't say that. Sure. Uh, how many more episodes do we have? Four more episodes? So what do you think? Four more gar- Gargoyle Kings, Pete? Yeah, exactly. At Excellent. least. Uh, I would like to say I did enjoy the Jughead and Dad back and forth, the FP, like just the calling each other like, hey, I got one over here. And they're like, hey, I got one over here. Another foaming mouth. 
I, I thought it was great the way they were working together this whole episode. It was very sweet. They're like uh, Batman and Robin if they were both Robins. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Before we go, who won this episode, guys? Who was the number one in your heart all episode long? Pete, uh, I'll go to you first for a surprising choice. Yep. Uh, I'm going to go with Betty all day or day. She was fighting so hard for her mom and then also realized, hey, you know what? I've got to switch it up. Uh, Maybe I'm hurting my mom more than helping her. I thought that was really huge. But also the way she threw Evelyn against that locker just, I got teary-eyed. It was beautiful. Uh, You know, you, you barely get to see something so beautiful in television. And I was just glad that I'm watching this show. Wow. Amazing. Wow. Justin, what about you? Um, I'm going to go with Archie. I feel, like, I feel like Archie really was on top of his shit this episode. He uh, has become a leader um, of his little squad. Uh, he uh, was just like making good decisions um, throughout, uh, except for trying to kiss Veronica. But uh, otherwise, I thought he did a great job. He won his fight. Um Archie all day, uh, air day. (laughs) I'm going to go with Tony this episode. I also, I know we already talked about Betty and I love what Betty did, but it was just great seeing Tony take a little more of the weight in the Shoney Chopez storyline. Um, seeing her fight for Cheryl was great. She had my absolute favorite line of the episode when she uh, clapped back at Evelyn. Um, it's good to see her in the center of the spotlight. And again, really interesting outfit with the peekaboo pockets. You know, the Stop. little things like right above the pants Stop. there. Stop. It's really fascinating. Oh, my God. Really, I just like Psylocke, You're and I like so her, weird. and I think I think she's going to develop psychic powers next episode. <laughs> That's what I think is going to happen. We're going to see her psychic knife, the sum total of all of her powers. Wow, that's not how that's not how it goes, Alex. Um, I, I don't know. I'm not really a big X Men fan. It's the sum totality <laughs> of her psychic force. Nice. You're a nerd. If you want to support a show, any show, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. at the People's Improv Theater Loft in New York. Come on by and we'll show you our peekaboo pockets. Pete, what do you want to plug? Stop it, man. (laughs) Come see our live show uh, where hopefully Zalbin won't be so creepy. Uh, Follow us on on Facebook. (laughs) Nice. Follow us on Twitter at Comic Book Live and at Riverdale Dark. Check us out at comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. And we'll see you after dark. Good night, all you chip bag writers.